worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Today's episode of Dead Rabbit Radio contains content that is highly disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. A horrific ghost story forces us to ask the question, Is it possible that the spirits of the damned are left to walk the earth until justice? Is finally served. And then we traveled to Fresno, California to take a look at a terrifying and brutal story about a man who believed that he was a clone. He was so lost in the world of conspiracy theories that he ended up doing the unthinkable. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. It's a couple more days till Halloween. It's a couple more days until I don't do a ghost story every single day. I <laughs> This has gone on way too long. I'm surprised I was even able to do it this long. And yet here we are, a ghost story every single day. I'm never doing this again. I'm never doing this again. I miss my alien bros. I miss my Bigfoots. We've been doing a lot of ghost stuff, and I love the ghost stuff we've been doing. But I think Dead Rabbit Radio needs to keep mixing stuff up. And someone who's always helping me mix it up, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now, is one of our legacy Patreons. Everyone give it up for Ultrasound 700. Woo! Yeah, come on in, buddy. Come on in with your mixer. I guess that's what you're known for, blending stuff up. Ultrasound 700, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. If you guys have supported the Patreon for a long time, you're not able to continue to do it in the future. I get it too, man. People's money situation changes. But if you can't support the Patreon, just spread the word about the show. That really, really, really helps out a lot. Now, Ultrasound 700, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Drive us all the way out. To Hialeah, Florida. We're in Hialeah, Florida. Specifically, I want you to drive us on out to Hialeah Senior High School in Florida. So let's put on our letterman's jackets. We're going to walk onto Hialeah Senior High School grounds. We're magically, once again, teenagers. The year is 1999. We're here to check out a haunted bathroom. There are so many of these things. And you could go, Jason... You've covered so many haunted bathrooms just in the past two weeks. How could this one be any different? Well, it's it's slightly different. It's slightly different. I You're like, Jason, we've established through the course of, what, 970 episodes, you have some super bizarre fetishes. And you have this fascination with public restrooms. You have this fascination with restrooms. You're always talking about public restrooms. They're scary just by default. You can listen to the past episodes. I think they're spooky, and I don't, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not typing in bathroom ghosts, okay, that one time last week I did, 
I typed in bathroom ghosts and I found like the five creepiest public restrooms in England. That was an episode we did earlier this week. There was only one I covered, but there was four more that weren't good enough for Dead Rabbit Radio. See, even though I keep covering bathroom ghosts, I try to find the best of the best. It's just not any old bathroom for me. I want to find terrifying ghosts in bathrooms. Wait, no, no, I'm not even looking for them in bathrooms. I just happen to find ghosts in bathrooms all the time. Okay, there was that one time I googled public bathrooms, haunted public bathrooms, but not this time. We're in Hialeah, Florida. The year is 1999. And the story goes like this. One day during school, it was third period, and a freshman girl goes to the restroom that is next to the auditorium. She goes in the girls' restroom at the auditorium, and she is followed into the restroom by a group of five boys. They assault her. These five boys assault this young woman in the bathroom, and they beat her so badly, she is seriously bleeding by the time they're done with their assault. And the boys just leave her like that. After the assault is finished and she's heavily bleeding, they leave. So it's not until after school. A couple hours later when the janitor is doing his rounds, making sure that all the bathrooms are clean and everything like that, he goes into the girl's restroom next to the auditorium. She's dead. She bled to death. They say to this day... When you go into the girls' restroom next to the auditorium at Hylia Senior High School, that you may catch a glimpse of this girl, or the ghost of her anyways, sitting in the corner of the bathroom, sitting in a puddle of her own blood. She's sitting down, her knees drawn close to her body, her arms wrapped around her legs, and she's rocking back and forth, rocking back and forth in this puddle of blood slowly saying, When will they die? When will they die? When will they die? When will they die? There's other reports in this restroom. We have that visual of the haunting, right? We have the visual of that ghost. There are other reports of this restroom that there are also noises in the restroom. When you walk in the restroom, sometimes you'll hear something. It's not a fart. It's not a toilet flushing. It's a noise you wouldn't expect to hear in a bathroom. They didn't specify what it was. They didn't say it was a loud scream or anything like that. They just said when you're in that restroom, sometimes you'll just hear noises. And you even see reports. The boys' restroom you know, shares a wall with the girls' restroom. That's pretty common in public restroom areas. Boys have also said, well, you know, we're not in the girls' restroom, but when we're in the boys' restroom, we can hear noises coming from the other side of the wall. And what's interesting is a lot of these reports on hauntedplaces.org, where they allow people to review a haunted spot, they'll say, when you see reports about coming from the boys' room about what might be going on in the girls' room, they'll say, I hear noises coming from the other side of the wall, but it's probably the pipes. I actually heard that a lot. A lot of people were self-skeptics. They'd hear these noises, but they'd go, maybe it was the pipes, maybe it was something else. But we also have visual sightings of this ghost. This is one of these stories that, again, I hope isn't true, right? I hope it's an urban legend, because 
nobody should be assaulted really anywhere. But, I mean, it's just a horrifying story. She's assaulted in the restroom. No one's there to find her. She dies. And now her spirit is trapped there until the five young men who killed her die. Like, her soul is being held in this place until justice is served. But when I try to look up any history of this place, did a girl actually get assaulted in this bathroom? There is no record of this crime. This is a crime that's so brutal. We would see news articles about. Now, again, it happened in 1999. And sometimes it's hard to find archives from back then. But still, that's such a brutal crime. There's no... And so let's look at it this way. There was no story that I could find in the media about this. And you think we would have found something. Then you have to ask yourself, how do we know there were five perpetrators to this? Because did one of the boys talk? There's no record of this. So I would ask the question, like, who were the five boys? How did we know there was five boys? Is there any record of these kids being adjudicated in the judicial system? We don't have records of any of that. Also, I saw a lot of references. I wasn't able to verify this either, but a lot of people referenced this as bathroom. They said on the bathroom itself, the bathroom number is 666. Which, that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, I'm not, maybe it is actually 666, but does that mean there's another 665 bathrooms out there? Is this in building 6 and it's the 66th bathroom? Is it in building 66 and it's the 6th bathroom? I find it odd that any school would have a classroom or bathroom or even a broom closet with a number 666 because you're kind of inviting this kind of urban legend. But it's a terrifying story. Like, again, we always have to look at this as two different ways. Is the ghost story real, and is the crime that supposedly started the haunting real? It's possible that the ghost is real and the crime has been made up. It's possible if you go into this restroom, you may see this specter in a puddle of her own blood, wondering when will they die, when will they die, when will they die. Or it's possible the whole thing's made up, right? That it's just an urban legend around the school. We don't know. Unless we have on-the-ground investigations, we don't know. Didn't I tell you guys? Didn't I tell you guys? Didn't I ask you guys recently to start local ghost hunting groups? That would be awesome. You'd be doing me a big favor. And you guys would be meeting a good group of friends. And now I'm going to specify this. If you're in Hialeah area, you definitely should start a local ghost hunting group. Although now that I think about it, you still have to get permission to go on a campus. But this is a terrifying ghost story. Not only is it a horrifying visual, a ghost in a puddle of their own blood. We don't often see that. Again, most ghosts are caused by death, obviously. And then um, some of them are the form of their death. Yesterday, the kid was walking around with a funnel who got burned alive. Today, we have this girl in a puddle of her own blood. But then there's a lot of ghosts just kind of walking around. They jumped off cliffs or they got hit by trains shot themselves in the face with a pistol, and then they're fine. They're just kind of chilling. They're not all bloody and stuff like that. So I don't understand why some ghosts have this horror element to it, and some don't. But this, again, as far as a bathroom goes, as far as a bathroom goes, I rate this five toilets out of five. This would be terrifying to see, to see a girl, because the suffering's still there. I think that's the one thing we all hope, that no matter what happens, after you die, whether you go to paradise, or you're a ghost walking around, or even if you just disappear, right? If your soul just obliterates itself. That there's some sense of peace in the afterlife. Whenever we encounter ghosts that are still being tortured by 
something they did or something someone did to them in life. That's always the creepier element to it. If all ghosts were friendly, it might make for a boring podcast, but it would sure be uplifting. <laughs> you want to be so scared of dying, right? But every so often we come across these ghosts, which again, could be an urban legend. But these type of ghosts, we do have stories of ghosts in these gory situations. And then again, the fact that she's wondering, when will they die? When will they die? Is she trapped here until they die, until they pass away? Did she, as the assault was going on, was she wishing so much that they would just die that that's the psychic mark she left, right? Is that wish? And, you know, again, it's not like, I hope they face justice. I hope they get caught and are put in prison for the rest of their lives. It almost seems like she's trapped here until these five young men die. But who knows? And that would be a horrible thing as well, because then they're all like the healthiest men alive. They're like, oh, what? We're going to upload our consciousnesses into this computer. We'll never die. And she's like, no. Like, it's such a weird request. It's creepy. It's terrifying. Five out of five out of five toilets from Dead Rabbit Radio. A creepy ghost story in one of the creepiest places around. Ultrasound 700, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Fly us all the way out to Fresno, California. While we're headed out there, I want to do a really quick Dead Rabbit Recommends. Now, I talk a lot about the movies I watch on this podcast because I love movies. I talked a lot about the movie Smile. I went to go see it. I really liked it. Was it a Dead Rabbit Recommends? No. But I try to save Dead Rabbit Recommends for those truly unique, like you have to watch this movie. Smile, I really liked it. Had some really cool psychotropic, hallucinatory stuff in it. It's enjoyable. But is it a Dead Rabbit Recommends? No. Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick was probably my favorite movie that I've seen this year. Loved it. Saw it twice in the theater. Is it a Dead Rabbit Recommends? No. Love it, though. Really enjoy it. I think you should go see Top Gun. I think you should go see Smile. I saved Dead Rabbit Recommends for those truly unique movies. And I want to share a movie with you that, against all odds, it should have been absolutely terrible. It should have been awful. But it's not. It's amazing. It's called He's Watching. He's Watching. It is a movie filmed during the pandemic starring the children of the director and its found footage. All three of those should have collided into a unwatchable car wreck. But He's Watching is fantastic. The whole movie is a teenage sister and her preteen brother in a house during a worldwide pandemic. Their parents are in the hospital. Their neighbors are masked up with doors locked. There's a man walking from door to door in full hazmat gear holding up a sign, do not leave your house for any reason. He holds that outside your window, and then he goes to the next door, and you see him holding that outside the window. So these two young kids are in their house. Their parents are at the hospital. And then they discover that not only are they alone in the face of this worldwide pandemic that's killing people in the street. Like, they can see people falling out of their cars and just laying dead on the street. Just when you thought things going to get worse, a demon enters the house. 
And it's really good. It's a really, really good movie because you have both this sci-fi, well, you know, we faced it in the real world, but a sci-fi version of a pandemic, right, where people are just dropping dead in the middle of the street, hospitals are on fire, military helicopters flying overhead. Delivering supplies or escaping the area, we don't know. You have that element to it, and then we have the purely demonic supernatural force that's hunting the kids in this house. Now, this isn't a low-budget film. This is a no-budget film. And when you look at the reviews, people are like, what, that demon was just a guy with red face paint. <laughs> you're right, you're right. It was just a guy with the red face paint. It was. Super, super low, no-budget, right? They filmed it in this house using props from previous movies that this dad had filmed. It shouldn't have worked. It shouldn't have worked, but it's super creepy. And it has both jump scares and just that really creepy tension that's building. And these kids are trapped. There's one scene where the boy wakes up in the middle of the night and he hears something. He hears something in the house. He starts walking through the house. Now, it's found footage, but sometimes the footage is just coming from their eyeballs. Sometimes it switches between technology, like a camcorder or a camera phone. And sometimes we're just seeing it from the child's point of view. He hears a weird sound he doesn't recognize. He's walking through the house and he's getting closer to the bathroom, the creepiest place. And he walks into the bathroom and there rocking back and forth in the bathtub is a hammer. Just any old hammer you could buy at a hardware store. It's balancing on its head and it's just rocking. It shouldn't work, but it's it's done so well that you're left wondering, you know why the hammer's there. See, this demon is trying to get these kids to kill each other. And the boy knows why the hammer's there. The boy sees it. This is in the middle of the movie. It's not really a spoiler. It's not the climactic hammer scene, but he knows what the demon's trying to tell him. The boy sees the hammer. Goes back to bed. It just like that scene. It's just so perfectly set up, right? Super low budget. Shouldn't have worked. The fact that you just have a hammer rocking back and forth, you're like, what? That's not creepy at all. But the way it's shot, the sound design, everything, it's one of the only movies I've ever seen that has jump scares in the credits. In the ending credits, there's more jump scares. And it's super well done. I love low budget, no budget films. Resolution, Coherence, Rewind, Raccoon Valley. There's a ton of these movies out there that against all odds have succeeded. And one of them is this movie. He's watching. It's on streaming. Check it out. Dead Rabbit recommends the truly creepy and haunting movie he's watching. Hey, Mom. Hey, hey Dad. We decided to make a video diary for you while you're away. So get well soon, please, because we don't like being alone. We're going out for some exercise. The streets are pretty much empty, other than stuff like this. Why'd you record me sleeping in the middle of the night? I didn't. 
She thinks I'm playing a prank on her, which I'm not. is the closet creeper. It's May 2nd, 2022. We're in Fresno, California. We're walking around the sunny, sunny streets, grabbing a Slurpee from the local AMPM, kicking back, enjoying the California sunshine. We see a man sitting in his car. He seemed kind of fidget with his phone, putting it on the dash. He's just trying to get it just right, and he's looking. We can tell this guy's about to shoot a video. And shoot a video in his car. It's pretty commonplace to shoot videos. You can control the environment. You don't have to worry about anyone interrupting you, barking dogs. <laughs> it depends on your neighborhood, but it's generally a lot quieter to film something in your car than it may be in your house. So that's very common. People shoot these videos in their car. They also would shoot a video in their car if what they're saying is so insane. They don't want anyone else to hear it. Well, anyone else but their audience to hear it. Because their audience is just some random people on YouTube. Had Robert Hurtado recorded this video in his living room, things may have turned out differently. This video is entitled, Here We Go. I'm spilling everything now. Cloning Center and my new lease on life. Thanks a lot. And Robert Hurtado begins to tell us a story that he now knows why everybody treats him differently. He could never really figure it out why people were awkward around him. He could never figure it out why people seem to not really connect with him. But recently, these memories have been flooding back into his head. He was starting to remember why he was different and why people treated him differently. He remembered everything. Let's go back a few years to the year 2017. And Robert Hurtado is hanging out at a local hookah bar in Fresno, California. They got the little puffy pipes with the big giant thing in the middle and they put a little bit of tobacco on it. I used to go to hookah bars all the time. Smoking it. Actually, I miss going to hookah bars now that I think about it. Robert Hurtado's hanging out at this hookah bar. He's smoking this flavored nicotine. And all of a sudden, he notices everyone else in the hookah bar is like, oh my god, can you believe that? Who's that? Oh my goodness, look at... Huh? Who's that? Robert's saying, what's everybody looking at? Are they bringing some new type of hookah? And he looks over, and walking in to the hookah bar is Millie Bobby Brown. The star, is she the star? I don't know. I've never watched the show. I know she's on it. The person, one of many actors on the hit show, Stranger Things. What? 
in our little hookah bar? This is crazy. Millie Bobby Brown walking into the hookah bar. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're a hardcore Hawkins head. You know everything about Stranger Things. You go, wait a second, this doesn't make any sense. Millie Bobby Brown was 13 years old in 2017. How was she able to walk into this hookah bar? Uh, let me tell you this. That's probably the that's probably the most sensible thing about this story. I figure a celebrity could probably go wherever they want, especially on a hit television show. None of this story, none of this story makes sense, okay? But Millie Bobby Brown, 13-year-old girl, walks into this hookah bar in Fresno. Also walking into this hookah bar was a young man named Jake Bongiovi, who is the son, I didn't know this, I, I didn't even know this kid existed, who is the son of John Bon Jovi. So John Bon Jovi has a son named Jake Bongiovi. So is that John Bon Jovi's real name? Again, again, I don't know why I'm questioning that, because at the time, this dude was also like 13 years old. They weren't even dating back then. They weren't even dating back then. But anyways, according to Robert, Millie Bobby Brown and Jake Bon Jovi came into this hookah bar and then kidnapped him. They kidnapped him and they took him to a cloning center where they murdered him over and over and over and over and over again. These are the memories that he has remembered. These are the memories that came flooding back. And what he begins to do in his video is he begins to poke his face and say, I'm not real. I'm really not real. Plastic. Just poking his face. He then begins to slap himself. And he says, this really doesn't hurt. Because he's a clone. He is not Robert Hurtado. He says that he's this clone, right? He's this clone. He says that Millie Bobby Brown and Jake Bon Jovi also made him do stuff. He's not really clear on what that stuff is. So they made him do stuff. And he just, he's, can't go on. He can't go on. He knows he's a clone. He's been murdered several times. He wants to kill himself. Wants to just end it all because he's just the clone, right? Doesn't matter if he dies, but he also realizes that if he dies because he's a clone, he'll simply be replaced. So that's not going to work. If I kill myself to end my suffering because I know I'm not real, another one of me will pop out of a pod and then I'll be back to square one. I might not even remember coming to the realization that I was a clone. I'd have to start this whole process over again. So that's not going to work. He said in this video, I always think it's so interesting when these people say they made me do stuff and we don't know what the stuff is. Obviously, we think the worst, right? Obviously, we can just imagine what someone in the grip of madness like this could do to another human being. And then when they realize what they've done, they go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I brought that agony upon you. Millie Bobby Brown made me do it. Vague statements. We see a lot of these in this type of confession, for lack of a better word, right? They made me do stuff. We heard Isaac Cappy also say say stuff like, I crossed the line. I crossed the line. What does that mean? I crossed the line. Like, he wouldn't specify what he did. We can only imagine what type of thing he may have done. And then he did end up killing himself. I know there's a lot of controversy about that. People think that Tom Hanks pushed him off an overpass, but 
We've done episodes on him before. I'll put them in the show notes. He says that not only did they make him do stuff, he says that they made him, quote, say the words, but he didn't mean it. They made him, quote, say the words, but he didn't mean it. He's also very vague on that. I can imagine that's something that was blasphemous. I'm sure that was something that he felt was blasphemous, betraying Jesus, speaking out against God, something like that. You know, it's so funny because I'm kind of analyzing it like that. I don't think anyone made him do this. I think there's obviously some sort of mental illness going on, whether he's hearing voices or he's having a psychotic break or whatever. But he said something that he felt he was compelled to say, but he didn't mean it. He didn't mean it in his heart. But we don't know what that was. He mentions someone known as Bradford the Master. Again, no clarification on that. He is tossing these comments out as if the people listening to this video, and really, I think right now it may just be up to a couple thousand views. At the time, he had maybe like 44 subscribers before what we're getting to happened. This video is still up as of recording this episode. I'm surprised YouTube hasn't taken it down. But talks about someone known as Bradford the Master. He says, anyone can be a victim of this cloning technology. You don't have to be a celebrity. He was a nobody. He was just sitting at a hookah bar. He was picked out of the crowd to be sent to this cloning facility. So anyone can become a target of these guys. He does mention that one day he realized, like one day he had this epiphany because he woke up and he looked like a robot. He realized he didn't look like a human being anymore. That's when he realized that there's something wrong. That's when he had to start going on this journey to figure out, why am I a robot now? That's a, that's another clinical delusion. Generally, it's that you look dead. We did another episode on that. It's a syndrome that makes you think you're dead. That you're actually dying inside. This is kind of a sci-fi twist on that. Not that you're dead and rotting and you're a zombie. I'll put that episode in the show notes. But that he's not alive in another way. He's a robot in another way. He also mentions another person who's involved in this conspiracy named Sarah Paulson, who apparently is a celebrity. It's very, very interesting because this guy is picking, I mean, no insult to Jake Bongiovi and Sarah Paulson. I'm sure you guys are wonderful people. I mean, other than the cloning facility, you're kidnapping people and taking them too. But it's weird. He seems to just picking these names out at random. Bradford the Master, Sarah Paulson, Jake Bongiovi. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying... Obviously, Millie Bobby Brown, but I get that. She's super famous at the time, why he would fixate on her. He does, though, mention somebody that, in my opinion, played a pivotal part in all of this. And when you are a conspiracy theorist, you really have to question, how much are you exposing the world to the truth? And how much are you just being a grifter? and spreading human misery for money or fame. He mentions that Donald Marshall was right. Donald Marshall was right about everything. He's this guy who believes that he wrote all the hit songs in the world, and he's a famed gladiator combatant. He talks about these cloning pits. He talks about reptilians being able to enter human minds and replace the soul of a human with the soul of a reptilian invader. He talks about his childhood. Since the age of five, he got cloned and murdered, cloned and murdered, cloned and murdered, until he became the best 
fighter on the planet. He fought other clones, other celebrity clones, in this gladiator pit somewhere deep in some military base. And that, that story's hilarious. <laughs> that story's hilarious. Actually, when I was looking this up, when I was watching this video, I go, who's this Donald Marshall guy? I totally forgot I did a whole episode on him a long time ago. I'll put it in the show notes. Luckily, you guys are awesome. I was talking about Donald Marshall before I started recording an episode about him this week. I was talking about it on the live Patreon show. And Rudy Jazz said, hey, I think you already did that episode. The gladiator guy who knows all the songs in the world. I find this guy so entertaining, I almost accidentally did an entirely new episode on him. He's a fascinating character. I also think that he's complicit in what is about to happen. Because here you have a guy who has believed everything Donald Marshall has told him about cloning and about reptilians and about society and how we are all victims of this reptilian cloning facility. And would Robert Hurtado do what's about to come? Would he have ever done anything had he not bought into the BS that Donald Marshall was selling? Donald Marshall is right about everything. Robert Hurtado knew something had to change. He knew he couldn't kill himself. Because just the new clone would come out. So what he decided was he needed to destroy the entire system. He needed to expose the reptilians, expose the clone conspiracy. He had to let the world know what was really going on. He had to put the they-live sunglasses on society, and we would finally see the truth. But how does a man who's recording a video in his car with less than 100 subscribers on YouTube let the world know what's really going on? He recorded that video on May 2nd, 2022. Later that month, later that same month of May, just this year, Robert, whose real name is Philemon Hurtado, he's a 29-year-old man, Philemon slash Robert lived with his sister and her two children. They all lived in this house together. His sister, him, and Catalea Hurtado, 18 months old, and Calix Hurtado. Five months old. His only motive for this crime I'm about to describe to you, and this is from his words, he told the investigators this, his only reason for doing this, so he could bring attention to the cloning centers. The only reason, the only reason he did this was because he believed Donald Marshall was right. When the two infants were in their mother's bedroom, Robert stood there at the open bedroom door, looking at these two infants laying in bed. He took a gas can he was holding and began to pour it into the bedroom. He then lit a match, and a fire erupted. He stood there and watched these two infants choke on the thick, billowing smoke. He stood there and watched until his sister came to see what was going on. Now, he said that she was very nonchalant. She acted like nothing was wrong. Almost like a robot, right? Almost like a clone. 
Now, was she really like that? Was that part of his mental illness? He's actually hallucinating, visual hallucinations now? Who knows? I mean, I doubt, I'm sure that it was a hallucination, right? I doubt she was just not caring about what was going on. Because what we have happen next is she tries to get past him. She tries to get into the room to save her children. He pushes her to the ground, pours gasoline on her, lights her on fire. He then runs out of the house, but he doesn't leave the area. He's not on the run. He's not trying to get away because if he gets away, how's he going to tell his story? The only reason he did this was to wake us up. When the firefighters came and they began putting the fire out, and then fire investigator begins talking to him, hey, what happened? You ran out of that house. Do you have any idea what caused the fire? Oh, I did. I caused the fire. Why did you why did you light the house on fire? Oh, because I knew that the only way to expose this celebrity human trafficking and cloning ring, the only way the media would ever listen to me was if I did the unthinkable. Now, he has never once stated that the children were clones. He knew they weren't. He knew they weren't clones. Because if they were just clones, then there would just be new babies the next day, right? No one would know the difference. New babies would ship in. He knew they weren't clones. He knew they weren't part of the conspiracy theory. He killed them so we would listen to him. He killed two children so we would know that Millie Bobby Brown and Jake Bongiovi are kidnapping people from hookah bars and cloning them. The two children did die. The mother lived, but she was severely burned. And Robert was asked, do you regret doing this? His answer? Quote, no. This task is much bigger than myself. It's a terrifying story. Last week we talked about some guy believing that fluoride was dangerous because it was coming from China. And listen, in that episode, I even said, I don't know, maybe it is. Maybe it is, but he did a unilateral move. This guy in this town said, I don't want fluoride in my water anymore. Actually, he didn't, he didn't even live in that town. He was just elected to be the water superintendent. And he made a change without telling anybody. And I said, can you imagine if a conspiracy theorist in your local government decides to make these changes based on some theory they have? And on the fluoride one, I was honest. I go, there are some questions about what's coming over. We get all of our fluoride from China. And other cities have said this stuff is bad for the water supply. But they've actually had debates about it. And they let the people know we're not going to use it anymore. This guy just said, I read some stuff online, so I stopped putting it in your water. And I said, well, man, could you imagine having like a judge who's a conspiracy theorist or your pilot believes in flat earth and stuff like that? This is the thing that I'm the most worried about. Like when I did that story, I was just thinking, oh, this is kind of a fun one. Cavities, right? Kids are getting cavities. This guy believed in these conspiracy theories in these lunatic conspiracy theories that we spent a whole hour making fun of a couple of years ago. This guy thought it was real. This guy believes that Donald Marshall is real. Donald Marshall is a lunatic. 
Well, there's two options. One, he has a mental illness, or two, he's a grifter. Because we know it's not true. We know that he did not fight in underground gladiator pits where he was getting stabbed and some Scottish man with a broadsword split him in half and then he woke up. It, literally all of his clone stories go, it all starts when I fall asleep late at night. I fall asleep late at night. And then I wake up, I'm in a gladiator arena. That's called a dream, dude. You should be ashamed of yourself. It's really what I'm getting at. Maybe you're a clone, maybe you're a clone and you don't have human feelings. But you were, maybe not legally, maybe not legally, but morally, I think Donald was complicit in the murder of these kids. He fed him a lie. He fed him a fantasy. He never told him it was all made up. Donald kept this charade going. Got these kids killed. It got these kids killed to expose the lie that Donald Marshall created. It's insane. I mean, it's the definition of insane. And it's what happens when multiple insane people get together. Now, again, Donald Marshall is either nuts or he knows he's making it up. But either way, I think he's complicit. Again, not legally, but morally. I know we joke and laugh about conspiracy theories, and we're going to keep doing it on this show because it's honestly kind of hilarious, but this is what happens on the opposite side sometimes. I'm not saying all conspiracy theorists are child killers. Obviously not. I'd say the minority of them are. It's a super, super small group of very, very dangerous people who enjoy conspiracy theory content, but the number's not zero. terrifying story. It really is a terrifying story when people take these lies and believe them as truths. And it's sad. This guy, someday, he's going to get treated for his mental illness, most likely behind bars. And he's going to be faced with the fact. He's going to have to sit there in a cell or in a hospital bed He's going to sit there and one day, and then one day, one day he's going to have another epiphany. He's going to be sitting there and he's going to realize Donald Marshall was wrong. But he realized it far too late. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.